Good morning. All right. It is so great to be here. Um, John, I need you to come up front. He's not expecting this, but you know, whenever John asks me to speak, the number one reason I want to say yes is to give this guy a break. Because honestly, he works tirelessly for us, doesn't he? It, we just, yeah, we want you to know how much we appreciate you and love you and are so thankful you're the leader of our church. Thank so you. So let's give him a that. big hand. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Um, well, we are continuing on with going through the book of Acts this summer. And um, this week we're on Acts chapter 10. And so I want to go through that and go through the story of Cornelius which was kind of hard to pick out of the, the reading today. So we're going to kind of look at some of the context behind that reading and talk about Cornelius and dig into that chapter. And then um, I also want to share a little bit with you about what God's doing at Freedom for Youth Ministries and give you an opportunity um, um, to be challenged and really to look at how can I be a part of serving in this bigger community. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to Acts chapter 10, and I'm going to start at verse 1. I'm going to skip a few verses here. It's kind of long, but I want you to get the idea of the story of what's going on here in Acts chapter 10. So it starts off, at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in, the, in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. So you with me so far? Here comes an angel to Cornelius, who not only is he not a Jew... He's a Roman centurion, which means he's in charge of a hundred Roman soldiers. And God comes to him and says, go get Peter. Now, let me jump down to verse nine. Here's Peter's vision. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord. Peter replied, I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. And this happened three times. And then while Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit of God said to him, Simon, 
Three men are looking for you. So get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. And so here God orchestrated this, this meeting of Cornelius and Peter. And so Peter goes in obedience to God to Cornelius' house. And Cornelius has already invited all his family and friends. And he came, Peter came, so that he could share the gospel with Cornelius. And as we heard, um, he said that they readily accepted it and were baptized. Go to the first slide, please. As we dig into this, I want to pull out some, some key nuggets here. First, at the beginning, at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion. I love how Luke, the writer of Acts, even gives us more details. It just makes it more believable. He's from the Italian regiment, and he was devout and God-fearing. Devout and God-fearing. You know, when you look at this, you understand that God is interested in the heart. He's not interested in outward appearances. In 1 Samuel, when they were picking the king, they all thought it was David's brothers, right? And they picked David, and God said, man looks at outward appearances, but God looks at the heart. And so God was looking at Cornelius' heart, and it didn't matter that he was a Roman soldier. You know, where we work um, in the inner city, um, I meet lots of people. And, and across the street from us at, at low-income housing unit, there's a man named Steve. And Steve, um, as he and I have gotten to know each other. He's a, a Vietnam vet. Um, I've never seen any family with him at all. And yet, Steve comes over, and, and he and I have kind of gotten to be buddies. And you know, I don't know what Steve has seen. I don't know what he's done in his life. And you know what? I don't really care. You know what I do know? That man's got a heart of gold. I mean, there's no one that encourages me more than Steve. And he'll come over and he'll tell me that. But you know what? Steve's got some issues, too. Like, sometimes he drinks too much. And he used to be a construction worker, and we'll have construction going on over there, and sometimes he'll come over, and he'll get a little bossy, and I'll have to say, hey, Steve, 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 shh. And I'm not condoning his behavior. Please understand me, but is it possible that really God is looking at his heart you know, I, I don't know that this man doesn't have more faith than anyone here because I've heard his profession of Christ. And, you know, the Bible says a first will be last and the last will be first. What does that mean? You know, and so I think that all of us need to remember that we cannot judge who it is that God is saving and looking at their heart. The second slide. 
something very awesome I want to point out. First time I read this, I'm like, what? Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God? Some of you that I know you're out there serving, I've seen you, Breakfast Club and Whiz Kids with the young ones here and VBS and many other things that, that I know the body of Christ is out there doing that we don't even see. Do you realize that your service may come up as a memorial offering before the throne of God? And Romans 12, 1 says, offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. For this is your spiritual act of worship. It's how we worship God. Do you know, it, it, I got I to gotta ask the question, Cornelius, you're God free. How did you know about God? You're not a Jew. He wasn't allowed in the temple. How do you know about God? In Romans 1.20 says, Since the beginning of creation, God's invisible qualities, His divine nature and eternal power have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. You know what I believe? Cornelius looked to the heavens and saw the stars and said, oh my God, there has to be a God. He looked at his beautiful children and said, I love them so much. This has to be God. Right? Has to be. My wife and I, we sit out on our deck and sometimes I'm just blown away by nature. You know, we watch these little wrens and they just sing at the top of their lungs and they're feeding their little babies and working hard and back and forth. And we got this northern oriole that shows up and the beauty of it, it's just, it's remarkable. And every time I see creation, I go, God, you are awesome. You are awesome, God. Let's go to the third slide. This encounter that Peter had with Cornelius was very much about Peter also. Because Peter said, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. Peter was a Jew, but he now understood that this Jesus is for everyone. Not just for the Jews. God is in the business of saving souls. And look at the great length that God went to to find Cornelius and to bring him to faith in Jesus Christ. Fourteen years ago when Freedom for Youth started, a gentleman asked me if I wanted to go to the prison in Fort Madison and share at their chapel time. And so I went down there and, and, you know, the maximum security prison down there, they allow up to 30 inmates in the room. That's all that can be in there. 
And um, I go in there and I start telling them about how we're reaching out to these young people who have no hope, who are destitute, who are lost. And we're telling them about Jesus and we're giving them hope. And here's these inmates that came up to me and they go, I wish I would have had that when I was their age. Maybe I wouldn't be sitting here. And, I, and, and so last Thursday, I go back every year. Last Thursday was my day this year to be there. And I gave most of this same message to them. Do you know how good it made me feel to be able to tell these prisoners that God doesn't care where you've come from? God doesn't care where you've been. What God is interested in is your heart. And just like Cornelius, he will go to great lengths to bring you into the kingdom of God. And this man walked in and I thought, who is he? He's 15 years old. What is he doing here? And, and the chaplain afterwards came up to me and said, no, he's 18, but you know what? He's going to die in here. And my heart just sunk. What else do we have to tell them? What else do we have but the words of eternal life by which we can be saved? So I see there's really three kinds of people I want to talk about from this story. Obviously, one is the Corneliuses of the world. And I just want to say to you, if, if you have walked in here seeking, wondering, who is this God? I want to know this God. You've come to the right place. You've come where we have the answers. And as Peter said in chapter 4, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And I want to tell you that God is waiting for you with open arms. And he promises, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Okay? And if you are seeking, I promise you, God is there to meet you and introduce you to his son, Jesus. For we're saved by grace through faith. And it's not because of our works. It's because of what Christ did on the cross for us. I got to talk about a really hard part that, quite honestly, I don't really want to talk about. And God and I have kind of wrestled with this. And, and yet I have to share my heart because there's something that troubles me greatly. And maybe you too. I feel like Jeremiah the, Jeremiah was called the weeping prophet, and he weeped over Israel as, he, as God told and, and, and warned Israel through him, please repent, repent. Babylonians are coming. They're going to take over. They're going to haul you back to Babylon, and Israel will be destroyed, and yet they wouldn't listen. And we live in a world that is so troubled and so broken, and so vile, 
and violent. Just last year, one of our 14-year-old boys got shot twice in the head. He was an innocent bystander in the passenger side of a car, five blocks from here. Last summer, a year ago, across the street from us, these two little elementary kids are coming home, first day of summer break, and they're in the backyard on their trampoline, jumping up and down, and a car comes down the hill, through their backyard, through a fence, and kills them both. And my heart weeps. It weeps. God told Jeremiah, my people know no shame. They don't even know how to blush anymore. And I look at the world and I'm like, you know what? People have no shame. I can't believe what I'm hearing. I can't believe what they're doing. Put the next slide up. There's so many people that do not fear God and want nothing to do with him. And yet Jesus said, do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. And that is so hard for me to say and talk about, but I have to because this world is lost. I read obituaries. (laughs) Is it just me? Does anybody read obituaries? Thank you. And, And I read them, you know what? And I don't even know them. And I'm reading them going, is there evidence of faith, please? Oh, yeah, they're they're a member of a church. Oh, yeah, she was in the quilting circle at her church. Yeah, she's got to be saved. And then I read the other ones that maybe they had a whole list of accomplishments they've done in their life and not one mention of faith. And my heart breaks. Why is God breaking my heart for these people? Like Jeremiah, and I know they're out there, and so we must talk about it. See, in this book, I cannot find a part where God says he's going to come and make this world all better again. I can't find it in here. I can't find where he's going to come make America great again. That's not a political statement, but it's true, okay? I can't find that in here. Go to the next verse. Here's what I do find. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so also it will be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating, drinking, marrying, being given in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. Next slide. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But the day Lot left, Sodom Uh, Fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just like this on the day the Son of Man is revealed. Friends, believers in Christ, I think it's time for us to be bold. It's time for us to be bold. It really is. We are the light of the world right here. And let's go out and be bold. You know when Peter preached to the 3,000 at the beginning of Acts? 
he did not preach, come to Jesus and be wealthy and prosperous, and you're going to get the front parking stall every time you go to the grocery store, which I heard a preacher say on TV a while back, and I'm just like, he did not say that. You know what he said? God sent his son into this world, and you killed him. And everybody went. How many people were sitting in that audience remembering just a few weeks ago it was me going, crucify him, crucify him. You killed him. And I wish that this world would have the heart that they did because the scripture says they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter, what must we do to be saved? And they heard the gospel and 3,000 came to Christ that day. I pray that that's what we can have in this world. Thank you for allowing me to share my heart on that. I want to move on to the third person that I want to talk about, which is Peter. Um, I am so glad that Jesus picked Peter because Peter was a, he was impetuous. He always was putting his foot in his mouth. Um, he was always getting into trouble. I mean, let's face it. When Jesus first called Peter, he was not the most refined man he could have picked. In fact, I'll bet you Peter had a pretty colorful language coming off the fishing boat. Remember when Jesus first called him and he filled his boat up with fish? What did Peter say? Oh, Lord, not me. I'm a sinner. You don't know. Right? If God can choose Peter, he could choose us. All of us. And he does. And now it's time for us to go out and find the Corneliuses that God is leading us to. And one of the Corneliuses, the people I see, are the children. Because you know what? The children's hearts are so open. It is so awesome when you share the gospel with a child and their eyes are this big and they go, Really? That is awesome. And we have the opportunity now to be the Peters that can go out and share the gospel and the good news with these kids. And we got some great opportunities coming up right now. VBS is a great opportunity to show the love of Christ with our community and with our little ones that are they're living right around the corner. Um, um, don't forget about WizKids, which is coming up in the fall. WizKids is an opportunity, uh, a tutoring and discipleship program for our elementary kids that we're partnering with Freedom for Youth on. Please pray about these things. And even if it's not one of those, what is it that God is turning your heart towards? What cause? What... What is it? There's God's doing so many things in this world. What is it 
that he's doing that he wants you involved with. So at Freedom for Youth, we kind of have this saying, let's just go find one more child. Let's just go get one more, one more. Right now, we're, we're seeing 550 kids a week. We have uh, our main campus off of Martin Luther King and Hickman. And over the years, we've started eight uh, locations in smaller communities around central Iowa. And, and, but you know what? It's not enough. Because darn it, there's one more little one out there that is hurting and that needs to know Jesus. And so we were praying about this. And we're trying to figure out how do we get out into rural Iowa where there are so many hurting kids and so little resources. Go to the next slide. So he said, let's, let's hire 10 college interns and buy a trailer. And the staff put together this program called Freedom Quest. And they're taking this roadshow out to... Already this summer, they've been to Marshalltown, Newton, Jefferson, Boone, uh, Greenfield, Creston, Sheraton, and Albia. Eight communities. And they're taking a week off, and they're going and doing it again. All eight of them. That little boy on the left, who they just met um, in, in Creston, came up and told them, my brother just committed suicide. These kids are hurting, man. They are hurting so bad. And we have to be out there giving them hope. Go to the next slide. One of the things we did is buy bounce houses. You all know when you put up a bounce house, kids are like, they're there, you know. And so um, we bought these bounce houses, and kids are just, it's like their summer vacation. It really is. And they can't wait for us to come back. Go to the next slide. And here's some of our interns. They did crafts. They did skits. Um, all sharing the gospel with them. Go to the next slide. So they did the gospel bracelets. Look at the smile on that girl's face who just heard about Jesus and now knows that every one of those beads mean in the presentation of the gospel. That's what we can do as Peter so Freedom for Youth um, is branching out into many areas. One of the things we're very interested in is employment training for our young people, our high schoolers, and the young adults in our community that may have dropped out of school, they may have made some bad choices, and they're now 18, 19, 20, 21, and they're saying, what am I doing with my life? And they've never seen a parent get up and model a good work ethic. And we want to teach them how to be good employees. We want to teach them what it means to be dependable, to respect authority. And so if you go to the next slide, we took this car wash next to us and we built this coffee shop. And this coffee shop, um, which, yes, it looks like a, a, a Northwoods Lodge theme, and, and wait till you go inside and see. But we wanted something that the kids could be proud of. This is about giving dignity to young people. 
And they can say proudly, I work at Freedom Bling Coffee. And they'll go through about a 40-week program where they learn how to be great employees. And you know, we already have employers coming to us saying, we want to hire your kids. And the kids here are going to make, we're going to start them at $8.75 an hour plus tips. And no one, I know people, when they see kids doing a good job, they're going to make probably double the $8.75. And praise God, they deserve every penny of it. And we want to give them dignity, right? They deserve to be treated as the best because that's what God feels about them. I got just um, a couple minutes um, left that I want to share with you. Since this is my church, I can share a secret. Nobody else knows, okay? (laughs) We haven't announced this yet. Um, Many of you know that at Lent season a year ago, Lutheran Church of Hope came to us and and said, we'd like to buy that bar for you that's sitting right next to our coffee shop. Notorious bar for violence and crime. And it's like, we just cannot have that. And praise God, they raised enough money for us to buy that bar. We shut it down. Yes. We've been working on construction documents, and soon we'll get started on a children's center where we can do more elementary programming, where we can even have a preschool to begin telling three- and four-year-olds about Jesus. And that's what it's all about. And so we're finishing up the coffee shop. we got a children's center to build. And... About five years ago, what sits next to the bar, if you're going down Hickman, some of you can picture this, is Bike World Warehouse, okay? And it's right across the street from the bar. And about five years ago, we did a joint venture with uh, the owner of Bike World, who's a great Christian man. And, and we had, uh, take your used bike to any Bike World, we'll fix it up, we'll get it out to kids at Freedom. Okay, so we did that, and we must have gone, I think we gave away 400-some bikes. It was awesome. And uh, in passing, I said to him, hey, if you're ever interested in selling your building, I would be interested. Because I'm thinking about more employment training in the trades. I'm, I, I, when I saw all the different construction guys working on this, Electricians saying, if we had 20 more electricians, we'd hire them all. We need plumbers. We need concrete guys. We need drywallers. Everything. I'm thinking, we got to teach these kids. There's so many boys, especially, they're like, I don't want to serve coffee. I want to work in the trade. I want to build something. And yet they have no dad at home. They don't know how to even get started. I want to do that. But he, so he calls me last January. Mark, I'm selling the building. I'm like, no, 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 not now. Not now. Any other time. I mean, I'm in the heat of this coffee shop, and we got another one. And I talked to our board about it, and and we all agreed. It's like, there's just no way. We cannot go try to raise money for this. I'm sorry. Um, We're going to have to pass. Calls me back the next day. What if I lend you the money? (laughs) Ooh. 
At Freedom for Youth, we don't borrow money. Never have. We have no debt. I said, I'm sorry, I, I, I can't. We just, we don't want to borrow money. Okay. He said, well, I really wanted you to have it. And so I'm having coffee with a guy soon after, and we, we talk about many things, and this came up, and I talked to him, and we went on to another conversation, and a week later, he calls me. Mark, the Lord's been talking to me, and I think I want to buy Bike World for you. Two weeks ago, the owner came way down in price, and he wrote a really big check, and we now own Bike World. Praise God. God is so awesome. God is so awesome, and God is on the move. And, and I challenge you all, let's go be the Peters that can go find that Cornelius. Okay, there's all sorts of opportunities out there. Let me pray. Oh, Father, you are so, so good to us, and we thank you, Lord, for everything that you've given us. We thank you for this church, Lord, this place that we can call home. We thank you for Pastor John. We thank you for sending him. We thank you for his passion, for his drive. We ask you to bless him, Lord. Bless his family. Bless Tiffany and the children, Lord. And we just pray that you will protect us, Lord, that you will make us bold, that you will make us go out and be the Peters of the world that are imperfect, yet you still use us. You still use us, Lord. Lord, we desire so much for this world to come to repentance. And it breaks our hearts to see that there's so many people that don't fear you, Lord, I just pray that you give us opportunities in your own loving way to share the love and the joy that we have and the hope that we have that no matter what happens in this world, you got us. And that gives us great joy. And so, Lord, we just pray right now that you would use us, that you would grow this church, Lord for your kingdom. We ask this all in your name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.